Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. The, the real chemistry of it, literally, was um, the bond of friendship already as childhood friends meets the drug, meets the connection with music, mm-hmm. meets now there's a fortress of around you of why should I not do this all night? This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Knocking Doors Down podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. This is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast all about turning your adverse times into your advantage. Of course, Jason the Chance, your host. I am an alcoholic. Also, I have some childhood trauma, some sexual abuse, but taking those things, gotten honest and transparent about them, and hopefully inspiring others. And of course, my co-host, Mikey Naraki, no different himself. You know, got myself busted a time or two. What are you going to do? Yeah, we all face adverse situations. And, of course, there's a lot of things out there that are stigmatized, like addiction. And, of course, our guest today, Austin Diamond, he did it to himself uh, during his time of his substance abuse, much like many others, where they would drive themselves away from loved ones. Austin Diamond. Yeah, you may I like not- saying his name. It is a cool name. Diamond. He is the drummer for Devil Driver, one of the badass metal bands that's out there. But he also fell into a path of addiction. You hear about, of course, it starting early in his childhood with a very unusual living situation that you're going to be a little bit fascinated about, like, how the fuck did that work out? No but, spoilers. Let, let them, they'll get into it. But but it did, and uh, he's a hell of a great guy. Hopefully we get to catch up with him in person. When music opens up, go see him live and in person because he is a monster behind the kit. Before we get into it, we got to thank our sponsor, 5150 LTM. Thank you, 5150, for keeping us swagged out. That's right. If you see any of the postings in social media or on our YouTube channel, yes, we have a YouTube channel. Click that link in the description to to subscribe now. Uh, But 5150, they uh, outfit us with all of our gear, and we couldn't do that without them. And, of course, if you want to get the gear that we wear, well, it's simple, and save yourself some money. Use the code KDD20 at checkout. That's KDD20 at checkout. To save 20%. What was the promo code? KDD20. Dope. Austin Diamond, welcome to Knocking Doors Down. How are you, good sir? Man, I'm doing great, man. Great day to be alive. It's a beautiful day here in California, you know? Yeah. I got these sober eyes and stuff's great, man. I can't can't complain, man. Times are weird, obviously. We're we're in COVID and all this and you know this is like the only place we can not wear a mask right now is on these fucking on these zooms <laughs> but it's pretty cool right raw dog air right <laughs> raw dog that's air. it that's it <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We're living life to the extreme. I walked into a convenience the other uh, store the other day, forgot my mask. I was I was fucking living that day. All right. <laughs> Man, are y'all six feet? <laughs> Unpro- right. Unprotected breathing. Unprotected breathing. Yo. Oh fuck. <sighs> So uh, what's yeah. what's going on with you right now? Of course, you know, family man and, uh, you know, drummer 
devil driver uh, but uh you know how you handle it like do you miss being out there performing in Fuck, the studio oh. or what all of it of course you know and, and, it, and it all weighs on you you know um you know right now my best thing you know as an addict alcoholic you got to stay stay busy stay moving you know and stay grooving but uh it's it's hard to do all that all right now seamlessly and not get caught up in your thoughts you know and yeah um you know i am i'm working at amazon right now which is you know weird you know <laughs> but it's cool i'm driving the big old truck i feel like you know a metal a, a big guy in a metal truck you know which is fitting <laughs> but um and you know i'm blessed you know these these companies now they're they're called dsps it's like a third party thing that's how all these work and um you know that your boss can kind of be however they want with you so it's kind of the perfect situation for me like i got in there and and I told him, hey, this is what I do. And I got lucky. He's like a big music guy. He's like, man, I've been to you know, all these shows and all this stuff, you know. And so he's all about it. You know, he's like, hey, you know, let me know when you got stuff coming up. We'll work with you. And uh, just let me know in time. I'm like, sick. Like, like that's, shoot a, me that's a musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slip me some backstage, yeah, bro. Yeah. Let, me, let me embarrass you at your concert. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's cool. I mean, that's thing to find for a musician is a job to come back to you know oftentimes young in my career i was lucky i always had my moms to fall back on but dudes in my bands and stuff they would they would be in they would be in their, their living situation and leave it all to go on the road and come back to like couch surfing mm-hmm. and you know it gets grueling the, the vibe you know but but anyways to get back to what you're saying um you know i you know i battle from day to day like the rest of us do and, and you know i just kind of try to stay plugged in i don't I'm not as uh, fluent as I'd like to be right now. You know, my work hours just changed. So drumming has almost seemingly became a hobby, which sucks. Yeah. So I'm thinking about pumping the brakes and telling dude, hey, four days a week instead of <laughs> five, you know, because they're 10 to 11 hour days. Right. So and they're right in the middle of the day. So I can't come home and play drums at eight because who the fuck wants to hear double bass at eight? No, <laughs> You know what I mean? I barely want to hear double bass at eight. You know what I mean? Unless I'm getting on stage. But uh you know, so that part has been a little weird, you know, and yeah, not playing when you're when you're playing in a band from 19 till I'm 37 now. And that's what you know, and you've done it and you keep graduating to these next levels, leveling up and you play fests in Europe where it's like a sea of people you can't even see that far to. Yeah, fuck you. We're, we're doing nothing now. You can't do anything because I can't even breathe on you because you might have the shit, you know, yeah. Uh that's crazy. It's a crazy. Um, so you got to get back to grateful. Like we learned in this, this whole deal, you know, it's just find stuff to be grateful. Realize that I've done something, this minutia of people will ever do in their entire life. And accept that if today was that last day that I ever did it, fuck, my life's been sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then overcoming all of this as well, that we're here to talk about <clears throat> yeah. fucking nuts. So yeah. the inspiration goes way further than I ever imagined as far as that goes. But yeah, you know, I'm still all over the place. Like my mind, like the rest of us, we're like boom, 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 off topic, all over, you know. Yeah. But try to just try to just keep some sanity and and you know talk myself off off the mental cliffs. I call them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely so, all have those a lot. You know, I know like we yeah. were talking prior to the jumping on the recording, you know, that getting back in group, man, that was a, a fucking mistake for me because I even went to people and was like, if I don't, the shit's going to fucking hit the fan again after, you know, over a year or whatever. And 
uh, luckily, you know, get back, you know, starting steps over and just, you know, redoing the work. You know, I was, I was reading, uh, I think it was the, the AA, you know, daily reading today about that, that it's it's not a thing where you get to step 12 and it's like, ah, you're done. It's no, you got to fucking work that the rest of your life. That's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's easy to forget, too. It's It's easy to take your will back and get back into like, man, I got this now, man. It's like realizing every day that you don't got this, that you get to get this is a hard concept, especially for a dude. I'm just going to go say it because, <laughs> because we're dudes. Who the fuck? I mean, you could have never told me four years ago that talking to other addicts that have done crazy shit and getting vulnerable and talking about our feelings was going to help me out. I, I was just like, you're, that's just going to make me want to go buy a sack. You know, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's not a thing, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know, but it is, it's totally a thing. Yeah. You know? Well, let's, uh, let's jump back to, to young, uh, Austin, man. Uh, what were you like yeah. as a kid? What was, uh, what was growing up? Young you grew Austin. up in Orange County area. Dude, I flipped all over the map, you know, my, my mom, um, I didn't really know my mom and dad to be together, although they were together for the first three years of my life and then they split, but my mom always managed to keep my father around, um, because she didn't want me to be without, and he wasn't, um, I don't want to say he's not capable, everybody's capable, but he didn't kind of have the push through to, to make it happen on his own kind of thing. And she sensed that. So she always kept him in the mix, uh, you know, God bless her. And, you know, then my, then my next stepdad came into the mix, which was my brother's. He's my brother to me. He's always going to be my brother, even though he's not my, you know, from my dad. But, uh, so it was when my mom found him, it was me, my mom, my dad, my dad, and then my stepdad. And then my stepdad had, they had a kid, my brother, uh, all living together, like some fucking you know, um, <laughs> TV show shit. Brady Bunch and, shit. And they, you know, <laughs> yeah. And they, they ended up being homies, like staying up late at night drinking and just like raging, you know, uh, loving it, loving each other. And it was this weird, weird thing. And then my mom left, you know, the stepdad and, and then it was just my two dads, literally the show and, and my brother. And it was some of the sickest times or at least I thought so, you know, but, uh, so yeah. there's there's a, a bit there but yeah so my mom had me she's 18 um turned 19 shortly after so young young yeah. you know what i mean my mom went through her own trauma growing up so she just wanted something to love her one of those stories you yeah. know what i mean and All too well. her her upbringing was was brute you know um so that's what she wanted by you know she wanted love she wanted love she didn't feel love she wanted love and um, so I grew up in kind of a 18 year old mother's party environment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of, um, you know, it, it didn't seem to me out of the ordinary, but what do you know about that? You know what I mean? You, you know what you're in, what you're in. So right. yeah, there was pretty occasional partying, you know, me and the neighbors, uh, our neighbor's kid or our neighbors uh, were this family um, of like five kids. And I again ended up growing up with them and, and, and their mom and they would we would just do everything together, but also with that entailed parties like every weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, I mean I saw pretty extensive drinking early on. Who who knows what else was there? You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure it was all there. You know what I mean? You just you don't realize, but um, yeah, I, I you know I didn't I didn't really notice. I I, I was the kind of kid that. D- 
not I'm not the story of like I didn't do I didn't have enough I didn't I wasn't that emotional yet I, I got emotional later um I I pretty much put a Ninja Turtle in front of me and I could just rip it up for hours you know I can yeah. just do whatever a video game or whatever um you know but you look at that stuff later you know to what what it, what how I became you know um I didn't realize that until I went to the rehab you know I didn't break any of that down mentally mm-hmm. But they kind of told me, hey, you know, this is a high probability that you started at it because of some of this shit, whether you saw it or not, or whether you cared or you were just very lackadaisical and just I've always just been energetic and, and hyped to just be alive. So that literally I, I was feeling like those things didn't play a part, mm-hmm. but obviously they did because, you know, I, you know, was curious about drinking and and whatever else with, you know, certain friends that I accumulated uh, by the time I was 12, you know. Mm, already good. had a beer with my dad you know right um you know i we got uh i was one day we were i was with my good friend since six we were um at a school experimenting with some some weed and uh at night the crucial like don't do that ever <laughs> and uh lo and behold we walk away like you know ripped at 12 and we were we're like, what's that? You know, rip. And we turn around, there's lights. Hey, we have dogs. It's just the cops, you know. They oh, were scared shitless. I'm 12 and chubby, like fat. You know? <laughs> fat Total fat boy, scared, you know, hungry, you know, all that, you know. <laughs> 12? <laughs> scared I got the munchies. I'm tripping balls. I was a chubby little kid too, dude. I get it. <laughs> Next week, I'm scared and hungry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, i don't know it's so stupid it's really dope but uh but uh yeah so I, you know i got brought to the police station at 12 by the cops went home to my you know friend's house my mom picks me up the next day just her deer in the headlight looks i can't believe you got brought home by the cops at 12 you know like mm-hmm. and that was just kind of the beginning you know mm-hmm. and i was scared for a minute not too long always curious always sure. always curious one you know, wanted to ditch school to go skateboarding and, and hang oh, out with the sense. Yeah. Same, I'm right there same with you, buddy. <laughs> yes, yeah, same friends, and 40s and weed and tell my dad to pick me up because I'm like blacked out on my feet, but like I'm sick, you know, oh, all yeah. the dumb shit. I like dumb stuff. <laughs> Uh, so when um, you were doing all this at 12 did you were kind of just like a fuck it mentality or were you a little hesitant because you knew what you were doing was wrong or did you just jump in head first kind of thing? It it was both. I didn't have, I had the rebellious, but on the low, like I wanted to be sneaky with sure. it. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I wanted to get away with it. So I always had a, a uh, what I thought was a great plan, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it worked. So like I got addicted to that. Right. Like, yeah. Ooh, I got away with that. Like I snuck in, I snuck out at night, you know, I got super high and, and came back home, you know, and my dad didn't wake up. So, that so fuck, why would yeah. I not do it again? Yeah. Why would sure. I not? You know? Yeah, so. So, so it's kind of that early onset of uh, one of the characteristics of, of addicts that I try to explain to people that haven't suffered from addiction or maybe have someone that they know and love that does is just like, we fucking lie. It's just what we do. It's not about everything, but when it comes to our using and addiction, whatever it is, we're going to fucking lie. 100%. Yeah, because we need to get back to it, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. 
Why would yeah. you interfere with my using, you asshole? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. It's you. You know? Yeah. It's funny, too, because when you're lying, you feel like you're making so much sense. And everything I'm saying right now is so oh. believable. But then you're told yeah. some of the stories once you have a clear mind. And you're like, what the fuck? I was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it oh, would have made so it's much like, sense at the time. 100%. <laughs> you, you bought that subscription so long ago yeah. to yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing is, how are we going to get honest with other people? We fucking lie to ourselves more than anyone else. So, you know. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. the partying started, you know, different substances. Uh, when does even music come into play for you? Man, music? Yeah, let's let's rewind. Music was, if you, if we were on a VH1 special right now, <laughs> they would show old Polaroids with me in like hammer pants, passed out with like an old Walkman on, like always music, dancing, whitest oh. dances you've ever seen, but I was hyped on it and myself, yeah. very hyped. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like music was always a thing. I was so much more of a listener and a fan and all of that before I even realized that music could be a thing. And I think my parents did before me, you know, my dad, he was my hero. He would do shit like play wipeout on a fucking uh, a washer and dryer. And I thought it was the fucking shit. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. dude, dude, do that again. Like, how do I do that? Like, how do you, how are you, do you don't play drums. Like, how are you doing that? You know, and yeah. all his music and just influenced by every different, uh, relative just one person was metal my dad was just metal he was the metal dad like my friends knew him as the metal dad <laughs> he had this fucking lifted gmc truck every sick metal sticker uh, at that time that you could imagine slayer exodus metallica suicidal tendencies fucking pantera and like sepultura it was just yeah. all the bangers from the 90s you know what i mean and he would just roll up loud as shit whatever <laughs> just, you know? and my friends were just like dude, can your dad be my dad? Like, your dad rips. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. So eventually, you know, my stepdad, he was um, in a band, a garage band, and um, they would come over and they would play at the house. And I guess one day they were taking a break and I got on the drums just out of curiosity. And I just fucking around. My mom saw it immediate and was just like, yeah, yeah, you have rhythm immediately. Like, and sure enough, I was nine. And that's when I got my first kit that that Christmas. Uh, my aunt had purchased my first like used Tama 80s fucking Tama Rockstar <laughs> kit. You know, I set him up like a complete idiot. I got this picture. The Toms are all like, <laughs> and, like nothing makes sense. Like it's the best. And I have a mullet. It just rips. It's, like, it's a killer, killer fat Austin. Like my hair looks like I combed it with a hot dog because I haven't showered in like a week. You know? <laughs> Who cares? You're I gotta nine, see a you know? picture, dude. You gotta send us a picture. <laughs> oh my god! Good. If I had the share content, the share con I should have had some. I didn't think about <laughs> you it. You can enough, send it. We'll, but, uh, we'll plug it in the video for the YouTube. Oh, so people can see it. Love it. Oh, yeah. I got him. I got it on deck, dude. <laughs> roll the Rolls Royce too, man. Those are great. But oh shit! So once you got your kid, you just hit the ground running, or what? Ish, ish. Mm. Um, you know, I, I played a lot. I made a. <laughs> We made an infamous Mother's Day. I had braces. This Mother's Day video my dad made for her uh, one day because we were we were all like you know split up at one point, and so that was my the Mother's Day. Me and my brothers being cute and just 
a lot of it was the the, the drum video mm-hmm. and um <laughs> yeah so it, there's that um what was i what were you saying i, I blacked out uh hit the ground running <laughs> hit the ground. okay yeah, yeah. so 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 from there um you know it was a very gradual thing i would get on them and we lived in Menifee too, which is just a, but it's like the devil's butthole, man. It's so hot. <laughs> we had no air condition. And so you'd play for an hour and you're just gassed, you know? Sure, and man. like I said too, like I was not, I mean, I played baseball. I love that, but clearly that's not soccer. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like sports where you had to run constantly. You know what I mean? Like baseball was my avenue. Like I could still eat and be, I could be Babe Ruth. Like I yeah. could smash the shit out of the ball and you get a chill between pitches. Move. I get it. Yeah, I played first base. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I want to move minimally. Be awesome. <laughs> I mean, we're not animals here. I want to just, I don't want to run the whole time. Give me fucking sunflower seeds <laughs> and let it. me chill. Yeah. That's it, dude. But uh, yeah, so slow. It was a slow progression, really. Uh, it was more just as a fan, as a fan. And, and then my dad showed me this weird thing. I've still never heard it done. And I really would love to do this at some day. But he would make these mixtapes that were so sick he would make his own metal mixtapes and it's not what you think not just he would make them like standard like song after song whatever you want it to be but then he would when cds came out we would we so you had the old cd player right that had the two tape decks right okay so you'd have this you'd have a blank cassette tape and you would um play the cd right okay oh i like this riff and then you do the whole take the pause button off and record just the riff or the link that you want, pause it again, maybe rewind it and play it, loop it, loop it, and then just have whatever in a row that you want. And so it would just be this sick collage of the just the slamminest parts of songs. I'm like, this is the shit. And I would get so into that. I would seven hours and shit. And I've still never heard anybody make a metal mixtape like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's killer. I mean, I'm telling you, we could get mint vintage and just go back on that shit and you will be some new shit. But uh, <laughs> that got me really into it. And then finally, about middle school, I moved from Menifee to HB. And I was like, definitely my fattest. And definitely my most insecure. Sure. And uh, that's when I decided, let's get me into band. My mom was like nervous that I was going to go a bad route. She wanted me to get reconnected and sports and this and that, get some core group of friends. And so I met some, some of my lifelong friends in there and did band, you know? Mm-hmm total jokester but like my our um conductor or whatever he saw this just lightened me and would hype me up it was like dude you caught some stuff naturally and he was just always telling me so i that hyped me up you know and i wasn't even really playing kit still at that point like not a lot you know what i mean i was kind of in the rafters i busted out once in a while and like my mom would demand hey play it for aunt linda or whatever you know what I mean? <laughs> just okay mama. okay aunt linda <laughs> yeah exactly yeah she, she probably hates this it's all brutal but uh but then you know finally i, I get into high school i do marching band really learn some shit like some notes you know what i mean and then the first slipknot came out and that got the kit out. That was like marching band plus some more things. The double, like I've never heard such aggressive, like there was Pantera and I loved it and all that. Yeah. But um, that really made me get the kit out. And and I instantly realized all the drumming I had been doing through band and now through marching band, I was like a fucking completely different player on the kit. It's, the ideas were just flying out and I was just like selling by the minute on the drum, not even by the day. It was just like, just constant ramp up 
And then I got the double pedals and the rest was just like, I was hooked, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was hooked. You know, I can only imagine. I unfortunately never went went the band route. My brother got in some trouble, you know. He was I had the big Tommy Lee hair and everything else. I'm a little older than you, but you know, when yeah. I when I did try and it's like I remember a buddy of mine's like, "All right, so this is a double. This is a paradiddle." It's like, "Oh fuck. All right. Never mind. I'll I'll just I'll just I'll just do radio. Forget it." <laughs> Cuz that shit's <laughs> fucking crazy, you know. So Yeah. Um, when is then, uh, you know, kind of the you know, you mentioned about 12 getting busted but now we're at high school era uh, yeah. age you're in Huntington Beach did you say it was yeah, yeah. okay I went to Edison high school yeah so when did kind of the substance use start to come back in did it ever go away well so I never got into the harder drugs until right out of high school yeah mm. um, but I, I did find this certain friend and friends through that friend that um you know he was the he was like the two years older kind of guy mm -hmm. and we just all, all thought he was a shit he was you know good looking dude pulled all the chicks and right. i not so much you know was insecure and like 240 pounds like no shit like a uh, big dude and uh but we like vibed we vibed on music we vibed um we just had that connection you know he was actually kind of dorky and then he met my dad and me and he became more confident because of the vibe i think you know right. But um, he was the same guy that, you know, got us all, all the little core five group, five people uh, into, you know, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed. Um, and then eventually, you know, doing speed and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, that was the main thing for me. Um, it was the, the, the demise, the drug of choice, I guess, you know. Um, but that happened, you know, like out of nowhere, actually, um, when I was like 18 like Christmas Eve or something like that. Uh, when I was 18, it's the first time I ever did it. And, uh, I was with this certain friend and, you know, I guess he had been doing it for a while. I had no idea. Cause when you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what yeah. it looks like. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you have like-minded friends like you, and they got all this energy, how is it going to look any different to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, you don't really realize. Um, but yeah, he had been doing it for a while and I, and I guess now that I can, I can visualize and conceptualize it now is like, there's a point and you could probably agree with me that like the misery loves company thing. He probably just couldn't help himself anymore. So one day he just busted it out. Like, you know, the, the pipe and I'd never seen anything like that before. And he's like, dude, you need to try this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was really vulnerable at the moment and just really drunk. And there was women and, you know, I didn't want to look like a bitch, that whole sure. thing to just one, just one, you know? And, um, so I did. And, and then it turned into like 20, and then I, and then I go home that night, that morning, 6am to my mom's and I'm in this truck hearing this band Cryptopsy that I like love, uh, now, or, and then I didn't even understand it until that night for whatever reason. And I bumping it so loud in the driveway of my house and my 64 Chevy truck. And my mom comes walking out like, what are you doing? I'm like, mom, you gotta hear that shit. It fucking blowing my mind. You know, I, I just I identify with it. And she's like, oh my God, you're on the shit. Like she just called it out. You know what I mean? And it was wild. Like, I, it, although when you're doing that the first time, I feel like you're on top of the world. So like you could push that, right? It's like, even though like, my mind was like, oh my God, at the same time, I was just able to sell my shit. Like, you know what you're talking about? I'm just in it. I'm into this. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and uh, there's just that whole vibe, you know? 
and uh, come to find out later, she had done plenty of experiencing of her own. I mean, she was born in the 60s. You know, she they, knew what they to did look everything. for. All right. yeah. They did everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the beginning. And then that was the beginning of her worry for the next jillion years on and off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, because at this yeah. point, if I'm doing the math right, your mom's only about 32 years old when you're 18. So she's still a yeah. very young woman. and. Yeah, exactly. So shit, that's my age I now. Put, yeah, if I were to see a kid <laughs> yeah. all in my driveway at six a.m. blasting so music, your son pupils the size of pennies. I'd be like, you little motherfucker, <laughs> Johnny, yeah. son of what a bitch, over here. Get in your ass, little where, junior where, son of a bitch. Where's that asshole that gave you that shit? Exactly. So, um, so was this kind of the catalyst then that that continued for you throughout even? You know, your career, I mean, you've played with, you know, many a different band, you know. Kimura yeah, yeah. And, so uh, you know. it was all very secretive. And uh, it started, it started like it starts for all of us, I think, where, oh, you know, just the weekends are, or mainly with me and this specific friend, I think the, the real chemistry of it literally was um, the bond of friendship already as childhood friends meets the drug meets the connection with music mm-hmm. meets now there's a fortress of around you of why should I not do this all night and just fucking shred yeah. for days on end and go to work still. And there was no reason I'm young. I fucking, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And certainly if you play metal, you do all this yeah. and you do it hard and you, and you brag about it, you know, to those that accept that kind of thing, man, I was up for two days and then I played this show. You know what I mean? Like nuts, right? Like that's the shit we learned from some of our, um, you know, our examples. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. But uh, that was the vibe, you know? And um, yeah, I was somehow able to keep a, most mostly it under under wraps and, and kind of actually it was the opposite of what you would think. Like I'd be able to go on the road and that would be like my, Ah, now I can just do the things that are acceptable mm-hmm. and not do the other. And then I would get home and be like totally torn from the adrenaline of the road and just the, the high of the road. This, this it's a, you literally a utopia. If you've ever done something that you love that much, you know, it's not, a, it's not a job and you're on this high, even if you don't do any of it, you're like, fuck, there's no worries. There's no cares. It's a feeling of the drugs when you're on them, kind of like sure. I'm out in fucking Tuscaloosa. I don't know anybody. I've never been here. And I feel at the most peace I've ever had mm-hmm. because I have no responsibility other than to go, oh, yeah, go rip tonight, which is something I love. So it's just this, you know, and I was missing that when I come home. So I would go out and hide and and then, you know, the process you hide from those that love you because you're ashamed. And, yeah. And uh you know, you think you think that's what they need is is to you to just be away. Um, that's helping them, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that. That's yeah. a big one we tell ourselves as addicts, right? Fuck, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I. You know, yeah. So that was the process through my first band, Blade the Sky, and then you know, Chimera, and then the at the beginning stages of Devil Driver. You know, I would come home and just you know, convince myself that I was depressed or bummed and use that as the catalyst, you know? Yeah. And, um, I'm, um, so blessed that I have made it through the, uh, <laughs> the mist, you know, and, yeah. 
and that I get opportunity. I was so afraid even to even think about how would I ever talk about my shit, you know, like this, especially in this kind of light as well. But it's like hindsight is, is that this helps yeah. a lot of people, yeah. you know, this helps in, in, and you're put into a platform of today's age. Some people look at it as like, you know, oh, the internet is a fucked up place, you know, but it's also can be good. It's what you're looking for, you know, and what you need to look for at the moment, whether you get that or not, you know, I got to believe that this is all good, you know, and, and this is how you're supposed to use these platforms. And, yeah. you know, it's about helping people and, and relating to the, your shit, not keeping it behind the door, if you will, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, because, you know, at one point we thought we thought it wouldn't help anyone to why, how why would this help? You know what I mean? Well, shit, that's the first answer to not help myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like someday and you still as addicts, I think we get into the mind frame. We still get into that mind frame. Like, what is that kind of matter? You know, mm-hmm. what is me trying harder over here and to do this cool thing and then documenting it and putting it out there for somebody? You know what it's doing? It's proving to them that they can do it because who the fuck are we? We're just some dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm not just some dude, then I'm bigger than my britches. And I'm a step closer to fucking going and taking the drug again. You know yeah. what I mean? That's how I look at that shit. You know yeah. I mean? We'll be back with Austin Diamond to hear more about how he sought sobriety. Also, how did he tackle his weight issues and what's he doing now to stay positive during the pandemic while he can't be out there on the road playing with Devil Driver? Plus random questions. And if you want to get inspired, make sure to pick up Carlos Vieira's autobiography, Knocking Doors Down. Available now by clicking the link in the podcast description with all proceeds going towards the Carlos Vieira Foundation. We'll be back with Austin Diamond. Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O co and be sure to add the knocking doors down podcast in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application yeah ego is a motherfucker period in life oh, let no. alone when uh you know you're in recovery and maintaining it 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 That's fucks it. with you man it fucks with sure you. it says it says a lot of the wrong things about it but and you're absolutely right because the interesting <clears throat> thing is you know you're sitting there you're talking about your friend that you had that connectivity with the insecurity about your weight issues where see I'm I'm the opposite I'm still a fucking twig I think I weigh a buck 50 soaking wet I'm exaggerating a little <laughs> bit but at 63 you know and so I had a yeah. lot of the all these insecurities especially you know like he said you know girls or whatever it was and you know being naturally an introvert but then you know pounding some beers or whatever smoke a joint I can go fucking talk to anybody you know and, yeah and that's the cool thing now about within 
group settings and even in sobriety is guess what? You get a whole new kind of killer, genuine, honest, real connection with people when you sit in that type of thing, or as you're, you know, doing, sharing your story with folks. Absolutely. And the crazy thing is too, is like, for me is like, I was so worried to lose my career more than I was worried to lose the music more than my life. And I didn't put that together. My, my career was more important to me than, than realizing these drugs were, are, are, will kill you. These will kill you before you're not getting to play music. So it was always this, like, people would threaten, I'm going to tell your band, all this, you know? And I'd be like, oh, if that happens, then I'll lose music and I'll just get on a sicker one or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just insane thinking, you know? Yeah. You know. So I know I'm in the right place right now. You know? <laughs> so, and, and I was certain that the case would be I'm going to be fired, right? When the reality is, it has been exposed and you know what happened these people just loved me so much that they just wanted the best for me yeah. they wanted to make sure that and it's oh and i'm like that i'm a fear-based person that's what i learned in rehab i'm a fear-based person i exaggerate everything to be worse than it is than it is way before it's even there i just i just create it and it's not even a thing and it could be for good shit like goals like get intimidated by those goals and be like fuck this i'm gonna go out and use because yeah. I just can't handle how how intensely awesome that's probably going to be if I put in the work. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's it's it's crazy. It's totally crazy. So, where do you think that fear based uh, thinking kind of generated from? Do you think it was kind of the, the the you know some of the interesting situations of you know your home life growing up, or did you ever do any work on that? Um, of course, of course. I think I think too there is a battle of early success. Sure. You know, I think when I was young, um, I don't think I've always done music for the right reasons. Right. Cause I love it. Mm -hmm. And, and I think if I was just on this earth by myself playing drums, there's no way without validation that I would continue to do it just cause I love it. I need you to bob your head and smile and be like, fuck yeah, that's the part. Now I can move on. Now I know at least one person gives a fuck about that. So now I can feel like, okay, this is cool. Right. You know, because it's a very selfless thing for me. It's not about me. It's not about check out my dick and, and look at this fucking cool shit I can do. <laughs> Fuck that. That's not what art's yeah. about for me. It's about giving it back to other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, yeah. you know, everybody has their own take. But mostly I think we all got something to give back to the world. And that's what it's about. Finding selflessness and happiness so you can be fulfilled. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, dude. Yeah. Do you, do you have anxiety by any chance? I think I do. Okay. Because when you talk about the fear-based thinking, that's what I have as well. And I have crazy anxiety. So I was wondering if those two kind of one triggered the anxiety. I th I think so. Um, you know, I don't, I don't either promote or not promote like people that have anxiety, like taking something for me, it's just, I'm not to that point yet right. um, where I, where I have considered it because I don't want any kind of, I'm just like that. I'm all in or all out. You know, that's no, just yeah. how we. And that's good. That's so, how it should be. You don't need stuff. I mean, you don't want to have to need stuff to rely on it to calm your anxiety. So my suggestion to you is if you feel it coming or you find something, find your Zen, if you will, you know, whatever yeah. calms you down. For some people, it's cleaning. For some people, it's taking a drive or something. Nip that shit in the bud because it can get worse. And that's when, you know, abusing Xanax or Valium and all that shit can come in. So yeah. That's what yeah. I had thought of when you'd said that, the fear-based Yeah, because I, 
I have seen it work, you know, I, sure. I, but when it, when it, when it's like, you gotta, you gotta go to the, the, uh, the doctor's opinion route, right? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to take the suggested amount yeah. and not like make your own prescription. Cause sure. that's kind of like a relapse, however you want to look at it. But that's like, if you're, if you're prescribing that to me, that's like kind of a relapse. It's like, absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that would yeah, be any so. of my kind of fear is struggling, you know, with the, the aftermath. And that's why I don't do it. Yeah. You depression. Know? Just, it's like, I've, yeah. Next thing I know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there popping, you know, excessive amount of pills, making up a lie that I accidentally knocked them into the sink while while pounding a 30 pack with them, and you know, over the course of two right. days. So it's like, yeah, and and for me, with my thinking and and my just gratefulness to have found a program and a higher power that I understand, and all of that, um, I'm just so grateful for all that. I couldn't imagine having another run in me. It, that that scares me the most. But what's very compelling to me is going to the meetings and it always reminds me when I go to a meeting and somebody's relapsed after a short amount of time, after a long amount of time, how powerful and rad the program can be. Um, you know what I mean? I look at it like, um, I I say this sometimes in a share, but like the program has formulaically became like another, uh, father figure or a woman or a mother figure in the back of my brain that, that like when you're young, you don't have the ability to like right from wrong yourself. So you hear your dad or mom, Mm -hmm. if you had a good mom or dad mm-hmm. and you kind of hear that in the back of your voice now i hear this shit you know like yeah. not nah, it's not where the you're not gonna want to fucking fast <laughs> you know it's all the things you know what i mean just yeah. call this motherfucker joke about it do the things and, and you'll it'll subside man yeah. yep yeah so, so what was uh the point of uh rock bottom for you where what was your your final just i'm fucking done Fuck i it. need to acknowledge getting help it was it was it was um it was a culmination really it was it was the rock bottom it was the it was the ultimatum of i'm telling your band um you know it was the you know it was the whole thing the cops coming to my fucking door because you know my at the time girl was was looking for me and she knew what i was doing and and that was just like fuck you know i was pretending to sleep and they, you know, asked me if I was okay, if I needed to go to the doctors or anything. It was just like, wow, this is where it's at. And it's just like, I was one foot in, one foot out on the rehab thing, you know, still, of course, because I was just, you know, that I was still tripping. And, um, but, you know, when I was, this was July of 2017. Um, it was 7-17-17, which was like, my first God shot. <laughs> um, so that's my date, you know? Um, but um, yeah, like I said earlier, before we started this thing, it was, it was instantly like, not, not the coming in, the uh, not coming in process or whatever they call that um, process. Um, I was still like this when I came in, my picture was kind of like, I was trying to look normal, but you could tell the fucking shit I'd been through kind of shit. Um, but it was the day one when I saw everybody else looking the same. And then like some people looked, you know, in better spirits and every, the transparency, man, really was the thing that hooked me in, in it. And then just meeting the right people at the right moment, going to this, this guy's, uh, group meeting out in, out of his house. Uh, it was a fire campfire meeting. I was like, fuck, this is like camping with dudes. And we're just talking about real shit like that, like hooked me in hard. Like that was my home group and that, and the, the uh, home group meeting, uh, at the, at the rehab that I went to, I would go every Saturday 
and just met a lot of people. I mean, I got a job from one guy, you know, um, tiling. I didn't know shit about any of that. <laughs> um, but that's the kind, you know, the kind of kind of people you meet in this thing that that get it and that are grateful. And it's just like some of the raddest people I've met, to be honest. Yeah. And obviously we're not boring. You know, we've they've been very daring. Yeah. So we're not boring. <laughs> we definitely have some fucking crazy stories. Got some stories. If you want uh, a story, yeah. What yeah, was it like? No doubt. What was it like for you in your, your own mind, or was there any kind of you know, self talk for yourself that like I am a fucking drummer in a fucking metal band and we don't get vulnerable and share this stuff. Did you have to kind of break any of that down with yourself? Or was the process of, of vulnerability, which is so important to recovery and healing and really identifying some of those places and origins of, of our, you know, abuse, I substance mean, abuse? I'm a pretty sensitive dude as it is and, and pretty vulnerable. And like, I'm just the kind of person to just meet you and, and just, you know, if I get a vibe from you, like, I can probably just tell you all my shit, you know? So I'm already kind of like that, but like, I was like so dire in dire straits to, to get that shit off my chest with people that would understand it. And I, I just was wanting to help me and others right away. You know, I was like, you know, for a moment I was, and I still think about it, you know, I, I would love to, you know, help others in this way too, like working at an inpatient or, or something like, you know, I've definitely thought about that, those type of things however i can be more connected in that but like yeah i didn't really have any problems with that i was ready to figure it out and mm -hmm. just ready to you know get these answers of what i can be doing to prevent this fucking shit from happening ever again and yeah and uh you know just start chipping away at the things i needed to do you know? absolutely uh, well, we got to ask because, you know, you've, you've had a, a longevity in the in the area of playing live metal and everything else. Do you have any favorite road stories that you could share that you remember just of some fucking crazy situation or something that was just like, how did that shit happen? So much, so much blur. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some really dark ones and then there are... Um, some really monumental ones obviously like sure i mean because because my career has been one of of graduation you know what i mean Cer certain people very few people are lucky to get in that one band that just takes it to a level right like like, like um our guitar player mike um he got into devil driver i, I believe record two or the tail end of one and that's been it you know he's yeah. just it's just been ripping ever since, you know, for him. Um, I know he was, was in other little little bands and stuff, but pretty much like he just got to skate into the bus, you know, which is just <laughs> wild. I'm the dude that's the opposite. Like I came from the van, like a shitty van, you know, and and stayed in that shitty van and did year and a half tours with my first band that sucked uh, attendance wise. And I mean, certain were cool, but we made no money. We, we skated in on fumes literally five dollars a day um in my first band played this guy uh skating in on fumes and you know we were all just famished five dollars a day for if you pick a burger or pack smokes you know we were having people bring us liquor and maybe some spaghetti crashing at weird people's houses the whole thing dude right. just wild wild shit and we didn't give a fuck it was it was rad we loved it honestly did we miss money a little fuck yeah you know 
burned all our bridges, asked people for money just to keep us out. And people did it. You know, one dude bought us a van, you know, he passed away from our disease actually not that long ago. But, um, uh, but yeah, one of the dark ones from, from that era, um, um, I believe this guy, our, our guitar player, he, um, he was always sick. He was the business guy of the band. Really, he was the reason why the band ever got signed or anything, because he was just so much on the business, like good, good, great guitar player and all that. Um, but some of the rest of us wrote a lot more, you know what I mean? But he was just business, like just sell a ketchup popsicle, the woman white gloves business, you know what I mean? <laughs> that shit. And he would get us these, our first show ever, we'd only been a band and had four songs. Our first show ever was a sold out show at the galaxy out here when it was called the galaxy, not the observatory in Santa Ana with Opeth. It, like, I don't even know how that happened. You know, he just got us opening on that and we were not great. You know, it was crazy, but you know, and he eventually did all our booking cause our manager blew. But anyways, this dude day and night, two packs of smokes, McDonald's diet, whiskey. I think he was taking Vicodin as well for back pain from, you know, all that. And, um, one so he's always sick so anytime he was like man i'm not sick dude i'm not feeling it we'd be like ah, okay bro just go sleep dude like you're always sick why are you always sick so this one time we played the show in louisville and uh he was like really sick for real he threw up on stage and we were all like fuck that's crazy like you not look good but he's like yeah i don't feel good. something's wrong dude and He's like, dude, you guys need to go to the next show, but I'm going to have this fan take us to the fucking doctors. And we're all out of it, drinking all. Like, we're like, all right, you're fine, right? You're fine, right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'll, just, I'll meet you guys at the next show. And uh, it's a far drive, like 12-hour banger or some shit. And um, we get all the way there and um, get this call from his mom. It's like, Wayne's not doing good. He showed up to the hospital and uh, he passed out in... in like on the way in he passed out fell on the ground they had to get a wheelchair to get him in there he lost consciousness he lost his heartbeat like whole thing you guys need to like come back we don't know if he's gonna make it he's on life support right now so fucking the dude's like 23 you know what i mean fucking just out of nowhere dude crazy so we get there saddest thing i ever seen dude's got a jillion tubes in his body and his face he has a trach everything he's just dust and anytime he would wake up he would go to rip the cords out just out of it and they would have morphine button you know they couldn't figure out what the fuck had had control of him and, and what was keeping him on life support they ended up finding out it was a sepsis through his whole body blood poisoning and uh, they never dis- discovered how it happened i mean i'm sure it's a culmination of just shitty living you know what i mean <clears throat> but uh yeah, they, he ended up losing like 25 pounds in two weeks just because he was on food tubes and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they found a medicine that they'd only used one other time in the history of the hospital that worked for him. And he had a 25% chance of living and he lived. And uh, that was crazy, dude. And I've never seen a friend like that in a situation, you know. <clears throat> so move past that. Was, <laughs> you know, mir- miraculous. It was emotional. It was just like, shit, this is crazy move past that you know and then and then we move to the finer things in life you know i'm with devil driver and you know we we go to play this fest i've heard all all about my my, my entire career download and yeah. uh in and, and Vakken, Vakken, you know Vakken, 
Vakken was the guy, dude. It was the fucking guy. I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, that was just, it was everything Des promised, you know? He yeah. was like, dude, you're going to be blown away. We're in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of beautiful Germany, in this town. They make all their money and proceeds for the whole entire year come from this one event yeah. in this town. And um, we get there, man. You just see it immediate, you know? And we're, and we're vibing all day. But then when we get on stage and we're about to play, I mean, the sea of people was just unbelievable, man. I don't even know how many. I mean, 60, 60,000, like something, something oh, at insane. Least. At least, you know, you just can't see that far. But it was just like Butterfly Central and just like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's click this bitch in because I know it's jitters until the first couple measures get cleaned up and then and then it's just locked in, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, who was on I, that, I owe, who was on that bill the year you guys played played Vakken? Fuck, I couldn't couldn't remember. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was still partying at that moment too, okay. you know. Because so, I was so after to- that. Go ahead. I was trying to remember because there's a great uh, documentary on the Vakken Festival for people that don't know what it is. It is like the premier metal fucking festival. It's like I've always joked mm-hmm. with friends like, if we were to do one festival in Europe, what is it? We're going to Germany, man. Yeah, that's right. Let's go. Um, that's it. So I was just wondering because I couldn't recall if there was a you know a cut to you guys playing in the in that documentary. So. Oh yeah, there. Well, I don't know about the documentary, but there's definitely a, a sick like 4K video of us ripping it like just look it up um devil driver i think i believe it was 2016 okay um insane dude the, the pit was just disgusting it's fucking just like braveheart shit bro you know? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of just this is happening you know yeah. and the, where where did we go we went somewhere too where they just they're all about like the human rowboat thing like as many people as you can imagine sitting down in front of each other doing this like, <laughs> like maybe a hundred and it's just like what the fuck that's just so crazy you know <laughs> definitely owe all those you know moments to to des you know i mean just getting giving me a shot you know believing in me and just being a great friend mm. and, and human and you know yeah that's awesome. absolutely crazy dude it's been a crazy crazy career for me for sure and to to make it through the mist with with my whole addiction and all of that and you know has been the utmost you know just experiencing shows the last four years completely sober and all of that um you know that was nervous at the beginning oh, i was like oh, how do you play a show without a few beers first to get the edge off you know and it's like yeah. honestly feeling it and even feeling little fuck ups and like that's where it's all at it's just like oh yeah like you feel like you're 12 and that's been you know that's been the coolest thing too is like after all the smoke like settled and cleared, it's like, didn't you love doing like a lot of shit when you were really young without doing anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> just being you yeah. and you just like had the greatest time. Like, what does that feel like? So as that's come back, it's just like, Oh yeah. Like life is super sick sober and like, you know, hangovers, you know, and just like getting to go through emotion, getting to right. Yeah. And like getting up the next day and wondering why is today awesome and yesterday sucked and for no apparent reason? Fuck, I don't know. Sometimes you just don't know. <laughs> and having that clear really? mind too, playing the shows, you're able to take it all in. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. Take it all in. You remember it, everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I remember all the places I've been now mm-hmm. and just 
documented some of it and got some great pictures you yeah. know and yeah. they weren't blurry you know from a shaky hand or some shit you know rather than i think i was there there were pictures of me there but <laughs> i don't remember they told me you i was I, mean? I only know i was there because there was a picture of me there but uh, yeah so being there's a ridiculously i could look at it and laugh now because it's it is really funny but it's also like a checklist like i was on a video you know chimera the first big fest thing i'd ever done in Australia, Soundwave before it dissipated. Um, we did Soundwave, I believe it was 2011. God, that was 10 years ago. I'm fucking old. <laughs> Welcome um, to the club. I turned 43 what the this fuck? year. Uh, what the fuck? But um, um, Vinny Paul was in the video, you know, Chad from Hell Yeah, and uh, just a lot of a lot of people, you know, um, from from bands and shit were being interviewed, you know. But we're all smashed right when the video starts up i am so noticeably like just blacked out on my feet i'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like and i'm just like wow bro like, you are shot out so hard you know Fuck. you can be like, i'm like wow what a great look man that was so cool was oh shit i was uh, totally badass <laughs> well, Austin, we like to uh, give the guests the, the last word of encouragement. But before we get to that, we do some fun uh, questions here for you, random questions that we're going to fire off your sure. way. So just to answer them with fun. Go ahead, Mikey. You're up. All right. All right. Let's start with this one. If you were stuck on a deserted island and you were able to take one movie and one album, what would that be? Oh, shit. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, it would probably be the Big Lebowski. I got that one. <laughs> the dude. That that guy's coming. And then, um, fuck, one record. Jeez. That's a motherfucker, right? That's so hard. Um, I mean, Pantera. far beyond driven. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nice. it's got it all. That's yeah. got it all. Nice. You know, and it, and it made metal the angriest it can be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you have a guitarist that can make such brilliance out of two notes, you know, it's kind of like, all right, got to go. You're with one that. guitar player, yeah. you're just the guy. Like uh, That band in general, band. Pantera in general. Uh, all right, let me see. Um, do you have any guilty pleasures? Ooh, guilty pleasures. Just to let you know, I thought of adding this question to our random questions when I was rocking Fallout Boy on the way to work. Oh, okay. It feels it feels more wrong than ever, given everything uh, and, and what's what's happened. But I used to say this, so I guess I'll just say it some more. R. Kelly. <laughs> so we'll fun. edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> just you know, it's just right? it's just. Um, it sucks that he's good. You know what I mean? Hey, one he's of famous for a reason. He Dude. was famous before all this for a reason. You, you know, I, the music he made. I, I probably shouldn't admit this. I do believe that she does listen in, uh, to the podcast and watch this. I got my first Handy J to bump and grind. So, you know, hey, I'm with ah. you. I mean, I believed I could fly. You know, we put that shit on before a oh basketball game, you know. But when he, and then he really got G with it after that. He he was on some banging like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Your boy can actually rap too to like some trap beats. I was like, fuck, this guy can. He's got it going, yeah. dude. I mean, it just sucks that he is who he is. Yeah. <laughs> I loved uh, um, 
Innocent Until Proven Guilty, the track he did with Jay-Z was the shit. Uh, you know, it's like, well, uh, guess Jay-Z won't be performing that one live, or at least with a different you know, vocalist. There's a lot to say about what people do good and what they do bad and what, you know, it, that's a, that's a, always a sticky subject. Like, man, he did all this. But yeah, he did that, too. It's yeah. like, ooh, you know, I, I feel I feel like I'm a hypocrite if I write people off like that. Who am I? Like, I guess I'll just experience this one good part of you and the, know that the rest of you is a sack of shit. Right. Um, I'm not going to hate your music because of it, I guess. Uh, if that makes me wrong, I guess I suck. No, right. but. Uh, hey, welcome to the club. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite cuss word? <laughs> I guess just, I mean, I say fuck a lot. That's, a, so common, it's gotta be that's fuck. a common one. It's mine too. I yeah. mean, it's, it's yeah. just, there's so it's many so ways versatile. to use it. Yeah. Know? When you come from Southern like, Orange oh, County, fuck. it's fuck. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Out here at the, at the beach life, it's like shit that thing, but fucking you know, like, <laughs> fucking always just is is the commonality for sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what is something about you that people would be surprised to learn? Um, shit. Um, I would say there's a few. Am I just one? I throw a few out if you want. All right. Well, yeah, that um, I have one regret in my life so far. I mean, I guess that's not one. I've done a lot of shit. But a big one on the pleasure side is, but I was fat. Like I said, I always wanted to be a QB in, uh, in, in football. And I could still to this day chuck a ball like casually, consistently like 60 yards. Like, no sweat. Okay, That's well dope. now I got to ask you. Got who's your favorite football team? Oh, the Bills. <laughs> I follow yeah, him on social media, question. so I knew that. Next question. Uh, <laughs> oh, did I take your team out this year or what? Uh, <laughs> no, everybody did. I'm a Niner fan, so uh, I'm a Raider uh, fan. Yeah, my so my dad was a Niner fan. Okay, so, so the thing that. is, we're not. It's just, it's not a football podcast, so I won't go too much ah! off this. But I love football. Football's my shit. I. Didn't I mean I played it when I was a little kid because I was a chubby little kid too. So I played defensive lineman, but um, nice. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with football. In the 49ers, I am diehard. I have been. My grandparents had season tickets at Keysar Stadium all the way to Candlestick. My dad took them over. He and I later split that. Then they moved to the new stadium. So we got a history there. And the Niners were so humbled from last year. Oh, yeah. Going to the Super Bowl now, having over thirty people on the injured reserve list, you know, people are like, "Oh, well, your team sucked." It's like we were playing with our freaking third stringers all year. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, the Bills didn't take us out, but the whole rest of the NFC. Now, let, did. let me ask you though, as uh, Austin, as a Bills fan. And Mikey being a Niners, see Raiders, we know it's going to suck. I'm just one of the people that admit it. Uh, is it worse going through what the Niners did or what the Bills went through with four Super Bowls with Kelly as a quarterback and just couldn't fucking win? I think that's worse. Uh, no. I got to tell you. Because you still yeah. had a good I mean, season. That, that kind of It ruined my childhood because my stepdad um, he was from Buffalo, so there, there's yeah. the connection. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so instantly – that's that was my hook in and you know if you're good you're on tv so we were seeing the bills in the 90s on tv in california like every weekend all the you time know what I mean? yeah yeah so 
without fail, every weekend I was getting to see the Bills, you know? Um, so every year them losing was just like unbelievable. But also I think that's what kept my my shoes in and sure, I'm all yeah. in, you know, because because of that heartache, I'm like, well, I'm not just going to turn my back on it, you know? Don't get me wrong. I have an L.A. team too, or a uh, Cali team because I get to have one. You know? Sure, sure. Uh, but it, they're no longer Cali, but it's the Raiders, you know? Yeah. All right. It's the Raiders. I'm with you. Raiders. Yeah. No, Raiders. I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> uh, you're up, Mikey. Yeah. Fuckers. <laughs> Niner gang. Um, let's see. No, <laughs> Suck it, Mikey. Uh, well, hmm, okay. What's your favorite hobby? But I know you said that drums turned into a hobby just with your job and stuff. But before that, like that aside, what would your favorite hobby be? Working out. I mean, I would definitely say working out. Lately, I've been more in that than uh, drumming, unfortunately. And I got to figure that out. You know, I'm going to have to figure that out Mm because I just do. But um, yeah, I've been super into I mean, because I weighed 240, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, and slowly uh, through the years, I found a way to keep off at least the 40 pounds and be no heavier than 200 i told myself that's not going to be a thing sure um so i've kept that that way somehow but i've always you know since i lost the weight i I was an avid i would run Mm -hmm. and work out not more running than working out running and drumming alone just wiped weight off sure um and then and then i learned about eating and recently my new eating habits are like my favorite because i get to eat a lot (sighs) and weirdly enough you know, there's so many bullshit ads and, and the things that all this stuff like tricks people into like, and then they give up, um, you know, cause these people are like, I'm like the eight pack and <laughs> yeah. you know, I do, I eat pizza and I look like this. But the thing is, is like, they do that once a week, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you're working out five times a week. You know what I mean? For sure. And you've been doing it for a long time. That's what they don't tell you. Mm-hmm. They want you to buy their shit and they want you to buy it now. You know, so the, the the idea is for me is I, I know all that now, uh, but the new shit that I do is very science based upon my body. And it's what they call like the macronutrient diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I consume a fucking amazing amounts. Like, so what I do is I consume like I weigh about 180, 182. So I consume that amount in protein and grams a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then 200 grams of carbohydrates. And then 70 grams of fat. That's my makeup for my height and my age and all mm. that. And then I work out five times a week, you know, but doing that daily and, and really calculating that you're like, some days I'm like, fuck, I, I haven't eaten enough yet, but I'm fucking gotten a lot in. This is crazy. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, but I love it. I'm, I'm loving that. And I think I've always envisioned like kind of being like one of these people that are online that kind of have two facets to offer you know Mm -hmm. obviously i've been successful with doing music but i have this other passion for physical health and and, you know mental health there's a such a culmination here that i can create and and um inspire right if i just do it you know just chip at it chip away at it uh daily you know right now is it's been tough because of uh because of all this and it's been hard to just get back in that mix you know it just right. felt like a ghost kind of you know yeah for sure yeah absolutely but, uh, i know i was but I, I, early I, on pandemic man i was out on my mountain bike all the time and shit and then i just like fucking dipped off there for a while it's so i hear you it's tough man but absolutely not yeah, only this really helps step, i get but... yeah I, I get super pumped when i get connected in this too and like like you get 
just re-inspired and like you know what i mean but i i know me now so i can't get too over it, you know because i i'm overzealous i i get i get too grandiose right that's yeah. what we do yeah. and and then and all of a sudden you get clammed up because you're like i got too many goals to do and why do they gotta happen today the thing is is they don't you gotta pick <laughs> one and then move when you're done with that you know because right. that's my that's my issue you know mm-hmm. i have a shit ton of cool ideas it's just I put them all together like an idiot and look at them and I'm like, ah, like that's too much. Cool shit. <laughs> Same. You know? uh, yeah. All right. This is always a fun one. If you could have dinner with just one person, living or not, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Living or not, who would it be? Sheesh. That's that's um, I'm going to take a second here. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I really don't know. Who would give me that kind of shit, man? We've had deep ones and we've had just, you know, ones like mine. I'd pick like Denzel Washington. I just think he'd be cool to hang out yeah, with. Yeah, we've had everyone we've had everyone from Jesus to, to Elvis. To Elvis to uh Yeah. To Mother Teresa. what somebody was just like my mom, you know, whatever. Yeah. Man. Or De Niro. I'd have dinner with De Niro. You? You're going to have dinner with Bob? Mm-hmm. You're going to have dinner? Or Al Pacino. Pretty much anyone who's been in a Scorsese movie. <laughs> yeah. This one really got Man, me. I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you know, I guess. Uh, who else would I, you know? I don't know. Vinny Paul? God, God, God's enough for me. You know, when God's I can tap enough. in. God, that, I mean, that's enough. Like when I feel like, like those things happen in your life. And like so many have for me and I could look back and realize where it was, where it was prevalent and just, I don't know, feel like for real, like I know that I'm talking to them, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, and absolutely. Knowing that that's a real, like real thing, not just something that I've made for myself so that I feel better. Like just mm-hmm. literally getting to know, you know what I mean? I'd be like, you're the man, you know, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all this. Thank you for, all the signs. Thank you for my tribulations and my, the lessons that I wasn't at the time appreciative for going through, (laughs) but, uh, thanks for showing me some re-gifting me this life that I I understand is the best one to live, you know? Absolutely. I love that. Awesome. We, we let, uh, let the guests wrap it up with, uh, some words of encouragement for any of those out there that are, they're listening. Maybe they're new to recovery, long-term in recovery, or have yet to seek it and just starting to really own the fact that they, they've got a problem and want to get help. What, uh, what, what could you lend to them to encourage them? Um, you know, just, um, finding that courage to, you know, just be honest with yourself and your situation and, um, you know, know that there's a rad awesome life to be lived that you're unaware of at the moment but um you know rebuilding doesn't have to be like this momentous crazy thing at first you know it's just these people that are in these rooms and the people 
at the places you've heard about that maybe you at first look at as like uh, not the greatest place to go and this and that you know they offer nothing but love and transparency and and things that you will relate to and quite honestly that will become your new addiction in a way you know that that helps it's a good one it's out of all the using you you did in your your history of using using these people will be the best gift you can give yourself and to them you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um yeah man it's just it's just that day at a time vibe and um you know being honest and just 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 talking you know no matter how crazy you think you sound in your mind or what you're going through we've heard it all you know what i mean and we can relate you know and some days are are going to be rough and, and others aren't but you're going to you can do it through sobriety you know what i mean and, yeah. and it's better it's way more rewarding and you know you get to you get to give this thing back you get to give yourself a real life you know and and it doesn't need to look a certain way if you if you give that give that over to whatever power gives gives you that you know mm-hmm. um for me it's god you know but um i think um it's a beautiful thing to not live with the weight of the world on my shoulders you know and i think that's what all of us addicts think is happening and it's and it's just very we're consumed by the the addiction by the behaviors that's not who you are that's just a product mm-hmm. of your problems mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's all very possible man my my shit i mean we could have a whole other sub podcast of you know how the book lies out these stories i mean i got them you yeah. know and i know y'all do too but the important part is is that we're here talking about the solution and that's a cool feeling and to be owning that no reservations and um being all in on that a day at a time you know it's possible you know the beginning it it seems impossible but just open your ears and open your heart and and give up what you think you know about living (laughs) and listen to this new better way not softer yeah but better yeah you know absolutely better well austin man uh this has been awesome thank you very much we appreciate you man thank you guys so much this has been really awesome thank you and there you have it austin diamond say it with me everybody diamond Did it, you say it to yourself? You did, didn't you? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did, didn't it's you? It's a cool last name. Diamond. Good talk. Good guy. Yeah, he was a total blast. It's a, cool for uh, bands and stuff that I've seen over the years that we'll be able to uh, have conversations with them. And yeah, he was totally cool. And it was great to hear, uh, uh, you know, how even though, you know, the commonality with a lot of our guests might be addiction, but the different process and ways that we can fall into it. Yeah, know? different stories, different outlooks from everybody. A lot of the, you know, this guy got caught up in this, that girl got caught up in that. But, you know, everybody's outlook, like you said, is completely different on it. And it's very interesting to hear them all. Yeah, and uh, another very positive guy, totally full of energy, yeah. which is great to see Well, you got to well. be if you're a drummer, just going nuts on those things, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, you gotta watch if if you're listening to the podcast. Make sure you check out the uh, uh, YouTube channel because uh, we have some footage of him in there drumming. It's it, he's insane, man. He's awesome. 
So, and our guests next week. That's right, two guests. We got Jamie Bennington. Does the last name sound familiar? And Austin Gold. Not only are we going to talk about uh, how Jamie uh, deals with uh, mental health issues, but uh, also Austin, who plays the main character in his latest film, and how he tackled the role that was. Uh, semi-autobiographical of Jamie Bennington and the mental health struggles that he's had, who's, uh, you know, very much become a health advocate, uh, anti-suicide, and a bunch of other things. So great conversation, two cool guys, and uh, we really get into some interesting and fun stuff. I always uh, enjoy talking to the guests with uh, anxiety and stuff like that because I have it too, so it's definitely, it's a good one. We clicked for sure. Like, you have that too? Me too! (laughs) You're not alone. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to whatever platform that you're listening on. And uh, hey, tell a friend, leave a review if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app on a five-star rating because we can't do this without you guys. Keep spreading the word. Anything else, Mikey? No, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. Fifty-one fifty is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard. Always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being fifty-one fifty is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's fifty-one fifty. If you're living the fifty-one fifty lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to five one fifty LTM dot com. That website again: five one f i f t y l t m dot com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.